Welcome to the Branding for Abundance podcast. My name is Dr. TK. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and success coach. My goal on this podcast is to simply teach you how to proclaim your victory in your relationships, academic and career endeavors, business, money, and your mindset. Learn some simple tools and techniques to brand your life for abundance and live your epic lifestyle. Hey, welcome back to the Branding for Abundance podcast. I definitely want to thank you for tuning in today. This is Dr. TK, clinical psychologist and branding coach for therapists. And so in today's episode, we will be talking about the seven things to assess before selecting an EHR system. And so for those of you who are very new to private practice, um, you may be familiar with an EHR system, but they may call it something else depending on where you've worked at before and or where you serve time in your practicum or internship. But the EHR is basically your electronic charting system. And so I'm going to go over the seven um, tips and then I'll also give you um, some tips within the tips. Um, So make sure that you have your pen and paper to take notes so that you can take fast action. If you already have a private practice and maybe you are thinking you want to upgrade into a different EHR system or one altogether because maybe you've been doing paper charting, then you definitely want to listen to this as well. So let's go ahead and get into it. Tip number one, the first thing you want to assess is how many clients you currently have. So the reason for this question or tip, I should say, is that if you're just starting out, I would not be so antsy or anxious to jump into an EHR because there are the other six tips that you want to think about that I'll share today um, to make sure that they're a good fit, not just for now, but also in the long run. And so I personally did not get an EHR right away. When I first started private practice, I was seeing private pay clients in an office in LA and I was simply just doing paper charts. Now, I was exposed to electronic charting because I was also working for the county in Los Angeles for Department of Mental Health. So we were actually being trained on EHRs at the time when I started my private practice. However, I felt that the investment would just add to my overhead. And because I did not have a lot of reasons to get an EHR, it just didn't make sense to me. But I did know how to create my own paperwork because, of course, I had worked at all these places obtaining either practicum or internship hours and or actual job post-graduation. So as a clinician, you know what paperwork needs to be in place, such as your intake forms, your consent forms, privacy forms, um, treatment planning, um, or you know, goal setting, and then also like uh, progress notes and then termination or graduation forms. And so some people actually would choose to do EHR because most EHRs will give you that or at least general templates. So that could be a reason why you jump into one. But for me, I actually love creating things. And so it wasn't a big deal to me. And so that's your first tip is to look at how many clients you have, meaning does it make sense if you have no clients right now, or if you have one to two, does it make sense to pay $30, $45 for an electronic charting system in which you're only going to put up to eight notes in there a month? Okay. And if you're only doing private pay as well, I actually adopted an EHR system when I started taking insurance because I did not want to do hand 
claims. I did not want to fill out claims. I didn't want to make mistakes with claims. I simply just wanted to have the system talk to the billing system um, in the program. It generate all the information on the claim for me. And all I have to do is put the date of service and the diagnostic code. So that would be a good reason to start EHR if you're just starting, if you're on an insurance panel. So tip number two, you want to assess how do you want to send and receive paperwork? So um, one of the suggestions would be, this depends on your clientele. If you are attracting, I'm going to say older clients, um, in the geriatric field and or those who are not computer literate or computer savvy, then it may not be a good fit for you. Now, the way that I found this out is I would say, I'm going to send this paperwork to you. My office is going to send this paperwork to you. And some of my clients in the beginning would say, when I have the EHR, they would say, well, do you have a paper form? I'd prefer to fill it out on paper. And some clients who are very computer savvy, at least back then, about eight years ago, um, They still wanted to do a paper form because maybe they didn't trust that their internet would run. Uh, Maybe they only had their cell phone and they wanted to make sure that they were filling everything out correctly and that they can read all the forms correctly, which made sense. So what most um, clinicians were doing back then when I started practice in 2012 is that we were uploading our documents onto our website and you know, we would just tell our clients or potential clients where to go to download the paperwork and or our office would email it to them. Okay. So you do want to determine what type of clientele you have to determine if the paperwork, physical papers would be best. Also, you want to think about within sending and receiving paperwork, is the system that you're looking at, is it mobile compatible? Meaning can a client fill it out or sign the consent forms with their finger or with their stylus on their cell phone? Now in 2020, um, all of the EHR systems are mobile compatible. It even, A lot of them even have a client uh, app in the Apple store or in the Google Play store. And so does the clinician. We have a version for us so that we can see our calendar. Um, also something you want to think about within the sending and receiving paperwork is the time frame in which you want to receive it back. Are these systems quick enough where as soon as you send out the paperwork with the push of a button, which in 2020 they are, the client receives it in less than a few minutes, um, actually a few seconds, and then they can fill it out and then they can send it right back. And this would be good if you like to schedule clients within the same week that you do the consultation or that you talk to them over the phone or your office calls them to schedule the appointment. Um, Now, if you are a person like me where I actually like to schedule my, especially insurance clients, because we have to verify eligibility, I'd prefer to schedule everybody one week out because that gives me a chance to check insurance. Um, Of course, I have to take into uh, consideration the weekend. I have to take in consideration how long it's going to take them to send it back, even though I tell them one to two days. Sometimes that doesn't happen, you know, because of the luck of why they're probably coming into therapy. Maybe they live in a chaotic environment. Maybe they're anxious. Um, A lot is going on mindset-wise and in their physical environment. So, I mean, think about yourself. How many times have you saw an email and you said, oh, I'm gonna fill that out in five minutes. And then, you know, tomorrow comes and you forgot to fill it out. As a matter of fact, you forgot it was actually in there in your email box, okay? So when you're looking at sending and receiving paperwork, you wanna look at the time frame of when the system can send it to the client and when you know you can receive it back and nowadays again in 2020 it's way more advanced than when I first started private practice so um, now 
I know with one of the systems that I had used, it actually gives a reminder and you can set up how often it reminds the clients to fill out the paperwork. So number three, do you, um, now we'll go into more mobile accessibility. Do you want mobile accessibility like you as the clinician? Now, even though a lot of these systems have mobile accessibility, like the app, it still will not give you access to a lot of things, but majority of it, will, majority of them will give you access to things like your calendar and then the client's information so that you can call them and or send them a message like in the client portal. So do you want to be able to access your calendar on your phone in the app versus it's syncing with your calendar, even though that's um, you know, an option, but sometimes due to confidentiality and who, you know, my son takes my phone all the time and plays with it. I've chosen to the EHR that I use currently, I've chosen to not sync my calendar with my Gmail just because other people, you know, begin to hands on my phone. And even though you can put the initials, I just don't want it there. I just want that to be totally separate from my personal life. Um, but in the beginning, I used to do stuff like that all the time. And I would merge it, make it a uh, confidentiality, make it compatible with my Gmail, and then have the client's initials on my calendar. But it just looks too congested. So also with mobile accessibility, you want to ask yourself, will you be sending your client messages versus um, emails? So if you want to send them messages directly in the app, then definitely you want to choose an EHR that has the accessibility for a client portal for them to receive messages. Okay. So tip number four, um, my question to you is who does your billing if you either invoice clients for private pay, sending super bills um, for them to turn into their insurance and or when you take insurance. So some of the things you want to think about is do you want a system to automate the process? There is a button in Simple Practice. And if you want to learn more about Simple Practice, I have a link in my show notes. But um, there's a button in most um, EHRs that I've used where you can click on that button and it will automatically, after you've done your progress note, submit the billing. Now, I've chosen not to do this just because sometimes mistakes are made. Sometimes um, you, you, know, you, you mess up. You know, I know on one EHR, you have to physically put in the uh, date of the note and then the systems talk to each other and submit the billing. And so if you accidentally put the wrong date, and then the billing automatically gets submitted. It's gone now. And what's going to happen is the insurance company will decline it because maybe there's two, uh, you know, claims for the same date and they're only going to reimburse one. And so sometimes you don't even figure that part out that you made a mistake until you get the claim back, which can be seven, 14, 30 days, right? So do you want to automate the process? Um, Another tip or suggestion is, do you want to do a simple click, then do the billing like I do? So in simple practice, I actually do my progress note and then I just click the billing button. I'm visualizing like the process. I click the billing button. I click create new claim. Really simple. It takes less than 10 seconds. The claim comes up. I click submit because simple practice automates the whole system for me. Okay. But I also make sure that everything is still correct. Um, then suggestion number three under the billing for invoices is how much do does the EHR system charge per claim for each submission? And if you choose this option for your EOB, the EOB is typically the receipt that gets sent back to the EHR that you're using to say that this claim was paid. And then it will pretty much do your accounting for you. So if you sent out a claim for 
you know, $200. And of course the insurance may not pay you $200, but then they reimburse you $100. The system will read it and say, you've been paid for this claim $100, right? And so you don't have to do the EOB syncing. You can actually just wait until you get the receipt and then go in there and manually do it yourself. I'd prefer to automate as much as possible. So that way I don't necessarily have to hire another person um, to do this because, and I did at one point, but the insurance, the the EHR systems will actually do a lot of the automation for you. So you want to take into account how much they charge per claim because that means that that's more overhead added to your bill for this EHR because all these EHRs do not include claims. You have to pay like twenty five cents per claim, ten cents per claim, etc. Um, and especially if you do the, your billing every single week, which for me that's ideal. If you want to have um, ongoing, you know, revenue streams in your business, then that's going to add up, right? So tip number five, how do you complete your paperwork? Meaning how do you obtain information for your intake progress notes, treatment planning? So a tip under this, a suggestion under this tip is for me, like I mentioned earlier, I created paper charts first and then I moved to online billing when I started taking insurance. And then at that point I realized it was much easier to just type my progress notes in the same system. And so I started doing all of my paperwork within the EHR. Okay. So that's tip number five. Tip number six is do you provide telehealth online therapy? So some platforms do not offer this option. Simple practice does. It's literally $10 per clinician as an add on. Um, I recently added this on due to the COVID-19 era. Um, initially me and a colleague were splitting the cost for zoom cause it was HIPAA compliant, the version that we had, but then I moved back over to simple practice recently. Um, now that I'm working strictly from home, for the rest of my private practice, I actually closed down my physical location, which I'll do a whole nother podcast episode on that soon. But um, I chose just to have everything in one system because I want to automate it to the point where after I see my client, I do the billing and I'm done. All right. So you want to ask yourself, do I want to have a whole nother system to do telehealth or can I use the simple practice version, send your client the reminder already in the system connected to their appointment and boom, you're done. Right. So last tip, tip number seven is if you plan on um, in the next, I'm going to say six months, um, not a year, but maybe, you know, 90 days to six months, if you plan on adding clinicians to your practice, even interns, if you plan on you know, if you have a group, then you want to look at how much do the EHRs charge per clinician, because that will also increase the price for your claims. And then if, of course, if you are all providing online therapy, then you have to pay for that cost per clinician. And if it's a true group practice, that means that you are taking on the overhead of those costs. So if you had 10 therapists plus yourself, then that's um, what, uh, $110 just for telehealth then plus the claims. I mean, if these clinicians are working full time, they can have anywhere from 15 to 25 clients per week, if not more times 10, you know, times 10 therapists. So those numbers can add up. And of course your revenue would increase, but you want to add this into your overhead before you jump the gun and start adding in, you know, hiring all these clinicians. And then the second suggestion under how many clinicians you'll be, you know, having to use the system is 
the amount of client rates. And so you want to look at um, how much are you actually being reimbursed to see clients? Because sometimes when you actually add it up, I know that when I've added up, honestly, four insurance clients from a particular panel, that equates to one private pay client. Right. So these are all things to me that were helpful for me to decide in different stages of my private practice and in my group practice, which EHR system I was going to use if I was going to use one at all. So let's just do a recap on the seven things to assess before selecting a particular EHR system is um, number one, how many clients do you have? Number two, how do you want to send and receive paperwork? Number three, do you want mobile accessibility for yourself and for clients? Number Number four, um, who does your billing um, if you invoice and or take insurance, such as automating your process for you? Number five, how do you complete paperwork, such as gathering information for your intake progress notes and treatment planning? Number six, do you want to or do you currently provide online therapy, telehealth? And number seven, how many clinicians will be using your system? Because that will determine how much overhead is being added to your bottom line. So I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, If you know of any other clinicians that are either moving toward building their private practice or they have questions about building their private practice, then please share this episode. If you have questions about building your private practice, please email our office at hello at drtk.com. And in the subject line, just simply put um, podcast episode or something like that. And then put the question or questions that you have and make sure that you put your name because your email address may not stick to your name. And you know, I'll more than likely give you a shout out and tell, tell us where you're from, like city and state. And I can let people know who asked the question and then we can jump right into answering the question. So I used to do these on Instagram and I also want to offer this on um, the podcast for the podcast listeners because not everybody follows me on Instagram. But if you are not, go ahead and hop hop over there and follow me on doc, at Dr. TK Psych because I do provide motivational tools, productivity tools, mindset shifting tools um, for mental health providers um, throughout the week that are not shared on the podcast, okay? So if you want to learn about growing your private practice, then I would highly encourage you to um, follow the link in my show notes and take my private practice quiz. The uh, best part about this quiz is that it helps classify how ready you truly are to grow your private practice because I'm not just about building a private practice. I'm all about structuring it correctly so that it can grow and then you can move to the scaling process in which you can allow your system to work for you. Okay. And even if you have a private practice, I would highly encourage you to take the quiz anyway, um, because sometimes we think that we're at a certain level in our private practice and we still have work to do. Okay. So um, again, share this episode, um, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and I will see you in the next podcast episode. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode today. I am super excited to see your growth in your business, career, money, and relationships. Be sure to check me out on Instagram at Dr. TK Psych, where you can find daily inspiration and tips to live your abundant lifestyle. 